and I'm in charge. I have an irrational sense of positivity. What is going on here? You have a bunch of, of crazy people. Yay! <laughs> I mean, I'm sold. I love it. I think I may have been hacked by some Russian bots. I was on fire. The room was on fire. Fantastic. Great. Right. Viva Bill Murray. Hello and welcome to the Angel Comedy Podcast, Celia Pecola edition. This is a conversation I had with Celia Pecola in the corridor of the Angel Comedy Club in Angel and Islington, the old Meccano Club for comedy nerds out there. And um, uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating because it's a conversation in 2014 where Celia was around the uh, around Angel Comedy a lot. And um, yeah, and since then, I mean, she was doing well then. She was going on Russell Howard's Good News and Nevermind the Buzzcocks and things like that. And she was going up for a lot of things and she was living in the UK more. And it was just before she moved back to uh, Australia. But I mean, it's insane the things she's done. Obviously, she's uh, co-created and co-written uh, the uh, comedy Rosehaven with Luke McGregor for ABC. She's done a lot of work. Um, she's one equivalent of BAFTAs in the um, in Australia. And um, in she acts like she's she's uh, been in a drama called The Beautiful Lie. She's done. She's still doing a load of uh, stand up, and you know has promoted the uh, uh, presented the um, promotion would be a, a side project, but uh, has presented the uh, Melbourne Comedy Gala, and yeah, and she's also. I mean, if you look at all the credits that she's she's um, she's got, it kind of really doesn't say how funny she is as well she's one of the best um, comedians that i've ever seen live she's brilliant at what she does uh, certainly around 2014 she was really on fire and creating a brilliant unique but also totally accessible stand-up and um and yeah this is a bit of a retro episode and i again just it's so interesting to hear people of that a time where it's all kind of coming together and they don't they're not who they are in 2022 and um and i think those kind of formation conversations are really interesting to have and it's kind of the conversations that really do happen at angel probably in very few else very few other places it's um uh you know you don't you don't generally meet people <laughs> or hear from people unless they've already made it so that point when they're just about on the cusp is um, a really interesting point of time to chat to them. So I hope you find this conversation interesting in that respect and also as an introduction to Celia herself. So I hope you enjoy it and that you don't mind the sound quality being a bit echoey, but like I said, make it just to make it sound like because it's in the past that you're you're in the film in Sustella and you're and you're listening from behind a bookcase. So uh, yeah, it makes you feel like you're in the room. Anyway, um, lots of ramble beforehand, but uh, enjoy Celia and I'll speak to you on the other side. Hello, Celia Ficona. Hello. <laughs> there you go. That's good. So, Celia. Yes. Um, how did you start on the old comedy? Oh. Um, you, uh, when did you start? How long have you been going? When did you start? Right. I'm proud of this now. It's weird. Okay, so I'm coming up to nine years. So I'm in my eighth year from my first ever gig ever. But it is a very different time frame in Australia. Like in the first few years, you're doing maybe a gig a month. Yeah. So it's a dip when I came here, 
um, and I was meeting people who'd been going for a year who'd probably done more gigs than me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm sure I haven't got as much run, as many runs on the board as some comics who've been going for less time. But yeah, so nine, it'll be nine years in February uh, 2015, which I'm excited because that means the following year in 2016 will be my 10 years in comedy if I'm still doing it by then. Hey, you never yeah, know. You never know. And it will also be when I turn 33, so that's my Jesus year. So I don't, I'm already sort of working on that show rather than the following year. If I can make it to 10, because in my first show, the first line of my first hour show, which is a true story, is, a, is about a drunk man came up to me, I was sitting outside my work, and he said, where do you see, tell me, he opened with, tell me, and I was like, uh-oh, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And uh, I can't remember, I made some joke about whatever it was, like, like I like you rely on drunk people to to give you advice, life career advice or something like that. Um, anyway, I can't remember what it was, but I just think it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to coming back to that and going because at the time I was like, ten years, that'll never happen, and then it will. Anyway, this is not the question. Um, but my first gig ever was a, a raw comedy, which is at the open mic comedy competition. Anyone can enter nationally across Australia, and they hold state heats and then they get whittled down into finals of each state and then there's a national grand final and I did that because I was dating a comedian, uh, I'd been dating him for about uh, six months and he signed me up for that competition without <laughs> telling me that that's what I was going to be doing okay. and he told me about two weeks out, he goes well I've signed you up I swear, like I've told this story so many times and it sounds like a lie, I'm like surely that can't be what actually happened. It absolutely is. He went, I've signed you up. Uh, you're doing five minutes of comedy in two weeks, which was for the best, I think, because I don't think I would have ever done it myself. And it gave me a bit of, um, what's that word? Like if it was shit, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, it gave you a get out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, I never said I could do this. Of course I was shit. Blah, blah, blah. But if I'd signed myself up, there's something about you personally going, you know what, I think I can do this that seems arrogant to me. It's not. If you think you can do comedy, good for, you've got better self-esteem than I did. But uh, there was something about, like, feigning. Oh, no, I've been pushed into this. Anyway, so the well, first There is something thing, very kind of like, you know, uh, self-aggrandizing about going, people should listen to me, my, my voice amplified. Oh, uh, well, So, you're, you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of people would feel like, who am I to stand up and say my ideas of what I thought of and loads of people to listen. Like, it's like... Who am I to make that decision? Whereas somebody else goes, well, we've made you do it. It's like, yeah. you know, we often get people here that, uh, you know, they're doing it for a reason. Like, it's their birthday or there's a thing. And oh, it's like, really? That's, or it's a dare or so, you know. Yeah. And then that's the reason. It's not like, I don't want to do stand-up, but you guys are making me do stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, but had it occurred to you beforehand then? Is, is it something you talked about and had put off because of that aggrandizing thing? Or is it just your boy, out of the blue, your boyfriend? It's mm-hmm. like, listen, you're much funnier than I am. <laughs> you um, should be a stand-up or well, something like that. that's a big story. Um, no, I'd never thought stand-up was a thing. I'd, always, I'd done drama and writing and sketch. So mm. I liked comedy and I liked writing. But I, I, it wasn't in my head to, to, to do it myself. Maybe it would have eventually. I was quite new because he was my into the world. I'd never been to stand-up before I met him. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I that I would. So have done yeah, that. you just hadn't the, the art form or the form of stand up 
the art form. Yeah. Uh, but the form of stand-up just hadn't occurred to you. Like, you, yeah, you were funny, but it's just in that particular vein, you just not going, oh, that's not something that... Oh, I didn't even know it was a thing. In Australia, you don't know it's there. Mm. You don't know that it's a live scene. Like, when you find, go to your first room in Melbourne, you're like, oh, yeah. help! This, it's like a, it's like a, a hidden door of yeah. this whole... And I'm sure... Every, magicians have it and like I did a gig with magicians because sometimes that's fun have you ever done that? yeah no no. it's really great I really love being on a bill of all magicians and just me I just imagined it was just magicians in the audience no 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 <laughs> well it's usually it's a, usually a magic crowd because I like being the novelty by just saying words yeah. like I'm weird because I'm not eating a sword yeah I love that <laughs> I love the crowd's like did you see that fucking chick she just spoke oh my god I've never seen anyone just talk before so I love doing those same with burlesque nights for, for magicians that's probably quite true because all the magicians I know are very socially awkward so oh, it yeah. must seem like a magic trick somebody's just coming out talking without any kind of prop or anything like that it's like oh my god you can just talk to she people not, you she didn't even have one scarf not yeah. a single scarf I can't believe it she's breaking me out I thought it was crazy so I find it really fun. Same with um, burlesque shows yeah. and cabaret ones. Like she's got. Do you know what? I actually find if there's any lady comics listed to this, I really love. I find doing um, burlesque shows weirdly the most non-sexist gigs because this is my theory. Is because they've already seen boobs. Like if someone's doing burlesque before you go on, they've just seen boobs. They've just seen a woman's body nude, and then you come on and tell jokes, and they're like, "Oh, we've already." We're not, we're not distracted by boobs because we've just been given boobs. So we'll let you just talk because we've been sated for looking at a woman and being sort of titillated by a woman on stage. They're, they're, they're... <laughs> it makes me asexual. Following a, a burlesque yeah. or a woman doing a sexual act, I find makes me seem more asexual, which I am thrilled about. Anyway, what was I talking about? So... So, uh, but you started, you got signed up for a competition. Oh, yeah, so he did a thing. So and your the first thing was a competition. Yes, yes, yes. And it was a competition, wow. It was a competition, um, which I'm glad I started that way because it means my first gig was a real gig with an audience yeah. and a professional MC, and um, it went really well, and I got to the grand final when so I won from your first thing. gig? Yeah. So, you, hang on, your second gig, you won the final? Mm-hmm. So I got through the first round. So my first thing I got through, and then I got through the next one, which was another heat, and then I got through the state final. Okay. And then I think I got through the state final. Anyway, I ended up at the grand final. I didn't win, and it was filmed. So this was my fifth gig. Fifth gig. Wow. It was, was in front of a thousand people and was filmed yeah. for, t- for ABC TV. <laughs> and uh, I didn't win the whole thing. Hannah Gadsby won. She's a very good friend of mine. Hannah Gadsby? Yeah, that was her first. She just started as well. Really? So she won that year. Okay, she was here last week. Oh, was she? Yeah. Is she back in town? Yeah, oh, she's shit. She's living in Manchester. She's living in Manchester. So, yeah, she's living in Manchester. I've got a bit of a amount of touch. Um, she, uh, yeah, so I didn't, so she won, and um, I won Best First Time Entrant, which was the, the <laughs> first time they had that award, because at Royal Comedy you can enter it like five times, I think, okay. and they were trying to have an award that meant that someone had to get through to the final who had who was brand brand new, were you the which person? is what I was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, so that's where I started, so it all happened quite quick, and then I just sort of went, well, I'll keep doing this till it stops, and that just sort of didn't stop. Okay. So it was a, so it was sort of quick start for me so from that start yeah you got immediate uh what's the word bit of attention in australia well yeah but immediate uh kind of you got an immediate seal of approval and did that make it easier to then go on and just go right i know i can do this let's hunker down let's work on it let's have other things going on like i'm sure you're working doing other things or oh yes uh hospitality and stuff um 
well, I don't know about you, you know, very low self, you know, it took me a very long, even now, nine years in, it's very difficult for me to even call myself a comedian. I'm getting better at it, but, you know, you do everything you can, even though I wish I'd enjoyed it a bit more, but at the time, you just think it's a fluke. There's a lot of stuff I still think is a fluke now, but, you know, but at the time, like, oh, it's just a fluke, and bleh, you just question yourself, so it's not like I got that award and went, well, clearly... Yeah. I just well maybe they're wrong and they've made a mistake and it's all over now and it just sort of kept yeah. happening. So even after that, so I got asked after that I was asked to invited to be in the Comedy Zone, which is the during the Comedy Festival they do them in Edinburgh as well. It's like a showcase. Yeah. They yeah, call yeah. it the Comedy, comedy Zone. Zone. Yeah. So they choose five. Is that Avalon do it over there? Is it because it's an Avalon thing? No, no, it's part of the Comedy Festival. Okay. Um, and they choose so that's sort of after Raw so the year after Raw during Comedy Festival they asked me to be in that which was another big thing that the festival chose me out of so there was five of us doing that show Um, so I don't know but yeah there there wasn't a point early on where I was like I'm nailing this and you know you're only as good as your last gig every time I wrote a joke I was convinced that that was the last joke I was ever going to write and yeah. people have put all this faith in me and people put all this, you know, so there's a, expectation on me to be good and... and um, but, um, so you've... I, 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 my experience of you is immensely creative, <laughs> right? You're just... You Am I talking too much, by the way? Uh, I think that's the idea. Okay, good. By the way, the, the humility, your humility is brilliant. Like, you just, like, I, I also read something, I, this probably won't be in the podcast, but I've read something recently that those people that think they can't do anything are much better than those people that think they're, they're nailing it. Oh, that you characteristic. Keep that in. No, well. That characteristic. So you were saying, I don't feel like a comedian. I think anybody that's good at something, I, it's a, as a study, those people that think, those people that think they're good, that, you know what I mean. Yes, I do, it. but I just think they're. I like those people more. Because they're more confident and they're easy to get on with. No, no, they're <laughs> not confident. They they, everyone, all of my closest friends are brilliant and mm. they think they're shit. Yeah, yeah. All of them. Yeah. And that's not why I love them, but it's why we're friends, probably. Yeah, it's the same. I hate arrogance. I hate, I hate it. I don't know how to, I don't know how to interact with arrogant people. I don't care. I don't understand you, I don't find you pleasant to be around. I mean, don't get me wrong, it looks like great fun. Like, it looks like you're having a great time. But I don't think I would trade super insecurity. Like, that's the, this is the payoff. He's like, you, if you're super insecure, it's pretty shit, but I'd rather be super insecure yeah. than super arrogant because yeah. it's just... Which is why I don't gig in America, because you've got to sell yourself there. Yeah. I mean, I have, and it's fun, and I have had a nice time. But moreover, Australia and UK have a similarity in that if you talk yourself up, you're a douchebag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in America, if you talk yourself down, you are doing really making a very stupid business decision, and no yeah. one's going to book you because they're yeah. going to believe you yeah. when you say your shit. Whereas here, if you say your shit, people go, "I reckon they're really good," <laughs> yeah. and yeah. they're just saying they're shit. Yeah, but it's not you know, talking about your life. It's about your the way. The things you'd say on stage are the things you'd say off stage. There's no real... Yeah, that's so true. Because you... And the, the, your style of talking is... Because I think some people try to be what they're not. They're not mm. practising. You know, in ways... Funny in ways they're not. Like, you know, if they're not very ironic, or they'll try and be ironic. Like, they'll oh, try and be yeah, Stuart yeah. Lee, or they'll try and be... They'll affect a style rather than being who they are. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. I wish I did. Well, I don't wish that I did, but I used to. Because people go... Like, I still don't know what my persona is on stage. Because it's just me. 
Yeah, but it's nice. me in a good mood. All of my jokes are written for me when I'm in a good mood, yeah. which makes it difficult when I'm not in a good mood to sell them. Um, silly and hard. anyway, so it's all me. But yeah, I can't pull off. Like sometimes I watch, particularly character comics, I go, "Geez, it looks like fun." Yeah. Or deadpan comic, like people are really low energy, and I just go, "You could just do it." Like if I'm in a bad mood mm. or really tired or feeling particularly vulnerable, and I know that I've got to get up there and fucking jump around the stage and be all like Wah! and it's heartbreaking when I just go oh finally I, why didn't I just write one line of jokes so I could just stand there and look at the spot in the back of the room and just say yeah. the thing but I can't I don't know how to do anything other than what I do and I don't know how it happens I like doing so shows I like doing because that's where I get to do more structure and narrative stuff um, stand up is just silliness usually it comes from a, a life experience or a little thing that happens and I'll expand on that. I throw out so much material. Yeah. Like hours and hours of material that yeah. I'll try once and go, but it didn't work. And it's so frustrating. So I don't have a working knowledge of all the jokes that I have because I haven't put them in the right places. But every now and then someone will say something and I'll go, oh, you used to do a joke about that. Or someone will say to me, are you still doing this, joke about this? And I go, yeah. oh, no, why am I doing that? It's because all right, Joe. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just about what's happening in your life at the time being. It's interesting to me that looking back now, there are some jokes where I couldn't do now just because they don't, they're not who I am anymore. Who would, what would that be? Well, like, there's simple stuff like I wouldn't do jokes about being in a relationship. I've got relationship stories that I don't do because I'm single now and I can't do it. It feels weird and wrong and yeah. gross. Um, and at the moment, actually, I'm writing... Most of my material is about being single, which I really enjoy, but at the same time, I'm like... Stop doing this because if you meet someone, then you're not going to be able to do all this material. <laughs> um, so, luckily, I'm not going to meet anyone. Um, <laughs> uh, very aggressive to members of the opposite sex. But stuff like in my first show, I was a lot more innocent, really naive, and more silly, and a more more wide-eyed kind of stuff that was a bit like even just sort of sexually stuff where I was like, ooh. Whereas now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, cut the bullshit, this is what I've been through, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, constantly having ideas, constantly playing and and being led by your own enthusiasm for those ideas. So, which is mm. which is a style, which is a way, you know, there are some people that have been doing the same material for uh, years, if not decades, and they it. can't, um, they, they, they can do that material without being emotionally engaged. Whereas you, if you're not single, you can't do material about being single. Like the, so you're kind of very emotionally present with what you do. And it and also means... Has that always been the case? I think so. And it also means that... Um, well, I just like... It's easier to talk about stuff that's true. It's just easier. Or stories. Yeah. That's why I can never do one-liners. I get so bored. But stories have a way of taking you away. They're easy to tell because I've got a rhythm to them and they go somewhere and it's satisfying. And that kind of stuff. So, if you could... If Celia uh, Picola, nine years in, yeah. could go back to Celia Picola... Uh, that first year, second year, mm-hmm. what would you say to make that Celia's life easier with stand-up? Well, what would you say? Well, not necessarily easier. What would you say to that person? Um, what, would you give them any advice? Would you say, do this, don't do this? What would you... Don't be... Just calm down. I was a bit of an ass in my second year because I just had tantrums. I got a bit... I was a bit of a moody. I was a moody. So just calm down, basically. Calm down. Enjoy it, which people at the time told me, but maybe I would listen to me mm. and I think probably I'd just say hey even if I didn't say what happened if I just went listen you're still going to be doing this in eight years 
Because mm. that is part of the fear when you first start. Mm. You have no idea because there are people who go for a year and then yeah. something horrible happens and they stop. Yeah. There are people who go for two years who stop. Yeah. Like if I know, you just don't know. You go, am I putting all of my effort into this thing that's not going to be a thing that I keep doing? Mm. Am I putting myself through hell for this thing? But I think I would be a lot calmer if I knew. Mm. But I just went, you're going to still be doing this. Yeah. So, yes, these are the people who are your friends. Yes, you can relax and have fun with these people because this is your industry. Because when you start as well, you go, I don't know what ride I have to be here. and blah, blah, blah. But now I feel like, you know, you just get, you yeah. earn your stripes in comedy. I like yeah. that. So it's kind of the. So you'd relax. You you tell yourself to enjoy it when it's good. You don't. Have, that doesn't have mean being arrogant. Not having expectations about where it goes, really. Because if you if you feel relaxed about that, yeah. that you're going to be there in ten years' time, it's the same experience yeah. of going. Well, I'm enjoying the moment, and it'll it'll go where it goes. Yeah, and I don't mean like I wouldn't say you still be doing it in in ten years, and you're really famous. I'd go. You're just still <laughs> going to be doing it in ten years. That's enough, I think. Because that's all, that's all it is. Like, if you're doing this... Like, I'm not famous, but I'm making a living from this right now. Like, yeah. honestly, it could stop in six months. But I think if you're making a living from it, that is heaps. That's all you can ask for. That's all you can hope So I think I'd say... I'd say that. And I'd also say... And you're going you're gonna to be in a working dog show, which won't mean anything to anyone who's not Australian, but... They're my comedy heroes, and I was in a sitcom with them last oh, right. year, and it's like nuts. It's insane to me. It'd be yeah. fun. I'd stick around just, just for that. that yeah. Working dog is. They're they? a group of uh, comedy people mm. who did a, a they did a live comedy sketch show in the eighties and okay. uh, sitcoms, and they're just Australian comedy they like royalty. Woodley, kind of like part of they're the that era, but not with them yet. Yeah. So like, anyway, what do you want to do? Where you what going? do I do? Yeah, what you, like, know, you, you mentioned, you say yeah. you refer to stand up as like clubs. You go, when I'm doing stand up, yeah. when you do shows, it's a separate thing. You go, I'm doing shows. Like, you yes. you have a huge amount of things that you do. You, you act, um, you interview Tom Cruise. <gasps> I, you, know. I you, you, know! No, that's not what you do as a job, but you have interviewed Tom Cruise, which is enough for anyone. Well, that's what's so um, great about stand up is it opens, it opens all those doors. I didn't chase any of that, it all came mm. through stand up. Because stand-up is people can come and see you and they can imagine you in whatever they're doing. Mm. So you don't have to go to them and go, hey, can you imagine me in your thing? Because mm. they're like, who are you? Get out. <laughs> but if you go, I'm doing a show, come see me do a thing. Um, so I actually, I love that, doing all that stuff. I think my ultimate is, is, is a life like that that's very varied. It does mean I never get really good at any one thing, but I don't like when I'm just doing one thing. So like you... when I'm just doing stand-up, I find it really... I don't enjoy it as much because everything's about stand-up and that's all I've got going on. So if that's not going well, but if you're doing that and some acting and some radio or whatever, yeah. it sort of takes the pressure off everything. Yeah. Um, I've been enjoying the acting stuff, but I can't do accents and I can only really act as myself. So I'm going to run out of roles fairly quickly. It's <laughs> um, for a lot of people. Just build a sitcom around yourself. That's uh, the Rosanna Parker wow. approach. Yeah. Basically. Well, the next, the next, well, not the next thing, but a goal eventually would be to write yeah narrative sitcom I've co-wrote one episode of a sitcom mm. uh, last year so that was my first step into that and that was really fun so at some point I'd like to write one thing I was going to ask you is that your writing so you enjoy writing you actually enjoy the process of uh, you know like the way that you described to me off podcast was 
like you know you've got a drink you've got to have a, when you were smoking a yeah. cigarette but that was something was it something you looked forward to it's like to, oh I'm going to go back yeah to but I think it was just because trying to find a way to smoke and drink right. Um, right. Also, you're enjoying it more in retrospect no I liked it because I, I always find that the reason the, the bigger question is that I think a lot of people find it difficult to actually write all the other things around stand up or a lot of any kind of creative process uh, you know you can do it's a lot easier to book gigs or do emails or yeah. do and I think that actually kind of sit down and do the writing and I think some people find that quite a schlep a lot of people find it quite a difficult to actually just do oh this is what I want to do do you find just do you find that at all or do you, do you just sit down spontaneously oh I've got uh, 20 minutes uh, no, no. Here and I'm going to be writing or no. how, how does it work for you it depends sometimes you will in, a, in one day get heaps just because something happened that's why usually if it's a story something funny happened mm. and it's just telling that story you'll find there's jokes whereas for example tonight I'm going to try talking out a thing on stage that just happened and we'll see um, I don't like to sit down at a computer and type I don't work like that yeah. I sit and think things I often say them out loud and I write jot down bullet points so I enjoy of course I like having new ideas yeah I like having I like doing new material notes I don't like polished stuff yeah. I like the thrill of is it going to work because often stuff with me works really well the first time and then never again so, I, and all, honestly, genuinely, I would just get so bored with my stuff. Yeah. And there's so many ideas and there's so many comics writing ideas that you've got to be quick. If you're yeah. gonna, people, someone's going to think of the thing you're going to think of. So do it. And that's why, also why I like to write stuff about myself because it lowers the chance that someone else is going to be talking about that. You don't need to stalkers. Uh, yeah, yeah. But don't, don't you find, like, I find it sometimes really, str- I find it a bit depressing when I see a comic, well, it's a weird thing, when I see a comic talking about something that yeah. I agree with, that I thought was personal to me, yeah. one, I go, yay, I'm not the only one, but I also go, oh, I'm not the only one, and it makes me feel less special. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find it very frustrating. <laughs> like you do, that. like your, your shame attack is the best word for that, is the best term for that thing, which I do as yeah. well. So it's like, ah, oh, I thought I thought it was just me. like I did go. I thought this is the thing that's just me, but yeah. it's not. Of course. It's, um, um, yeah. And finally, is there anything that you'd say to people that are starting out? That it, I mean, it's the UK scene, but anything that you'd say to like as a you know somebody nine years in, like that you just kind of go, oh, this is a good thing, this is a bad thing, or any kind of I, I, I don't like the word advice, but just oh, anything sure. you'd say. Well, if you've kept listening this, uh, to this so far, I apologise if I've sounded like a douche so far. I'm really not. I'm quite nice. She's a douche. Quite nice. She's a douche. <laughs> no, I'm quite the douche nice. Podcast, I just try and, I don't know, try and be constructive. Anyways, so, uh, well, the UK scene is, well, I don't know. People, Some people will say, with this whole saying yes to any gig, like, some people will go, you should know what you write for and you shouldn't put yourself through stuff that that um, you don't need to do that. And you'll, you know, someone will go, you're better than that gig, you don't need to do it. I think I think maybe a halfway point with that is good, is do some stuff, don't be, if, don't be lazy. Like, if someone, my rule is usually, if someone asks me to do a thing and I'm free and I can do it, mm. then I'll do it. And some of the best opportunities I've got have come from the weirdest places, being in a tiny little gig somewhere and there's one person in that audience who turns out to be someone who really helped me along the way or someone I met there or an idea that I had there, that kind of thing. So I'd say don't be too quick to turn your nose up at stuff that you think you're better than, you know. Um, You'll get this advice. Just be a good person because being a dick in comedy will affect you professionally, which I love. (laughs) Um, 
this is someone else's really good advice because it can get early on a bit uh, the, all the jealousy and a bit bitchiness and that kind of stuff, which can happen because because there's no guaranteed jobs for us. We're not in an industry where if you do five years, you're definitely going to get this position. And it, do, it can be a bit of if someone gets this, that's one position that someone else doesn't have. Um, but uh, this is the same thing about being a dick, but it can be really helpful to get it out of the system. You choose like a comedy buddy, someone else who you're really close with, and then you can just use that person to dump all of your, oh my God, this room was the worst and this person was being a prick and blah, blah, blah. So you get it out of your system, yeah, yeah. but it's in a safe environment and that person does the same thing to you and it doesn't go any further yeah. than that. It's like having a relationship with somebody. It's like, you know, like... Uh, if you go out with a uh, comedian as well, that can be quite useful for that because you both have Yeah, someone who knows what you're talking about because, oh yeah, and civilians, non-comedy people, couldn't care less about what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. They don't give a shit what where the stage was pointing <laughs> and whether the people were eating. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I think that's helpful. So let off steam with what, you know. Well, not just Basically. don't bitch around. Don't, don't yeah. be a bitch in public. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What is good advice? Um, not advice. Uh, and keep writing. I don't know. I still don't know who I'm a stage. I just think, uh, I think, give yourself a break. Sarah Pascoe is very good advice as well, which is you're learning. Even if you're doing it for 15 years, you're still learning. Yeah. So if it's, if it, like what you're saying, don't stick the boot into yourself. Yeah. If it's not great, then it's not that bad. We mm. just, we tell jokes. Like, mm. We, and yet we take it so seriously, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I think that's it. That's great. Is it useful? Is that? Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, I don't know. That's great. And that was Celia Picola. I hope you enjoyed meeting her 2014 self and hopefully we'll have her on the podcast again in uh, in her modern form in her 2022 guise uh, soon. So uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, if, you, um, if you have a chance, check out Rosehaven because it's a really funny comedy drama, really worth your time. And uh, I, I'll be um, at, at the Edinburgh Festival, so do come and see me, Barry Ferns, um, putting some stuff on there, especially the audio tour. I'll download the audio tour for the Edinburgh Festival. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, uh, I, nobody else has, has ever done one, and I've tried to make it as interactive and as interesting and engaging and informative as possible. And, yeah, it should be a fun way to spend 50 minutes of your life. So, um I will uh, I will speak to you again in about two weeks' time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye, everyone.